Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast, the fan podcast that takes an in-depth look at the films of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host Sean Malloy and today's another special interview episode where I had the pleasure of speaking with actor, writer, director, and stuntman Michael Wirth. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to remind you all that if you're not subscribing to the show, please do so. Also, please feel free to leave a review for the show, especially those five-star reviews. Those always help. Also, I haven't mentioned it, but there is a Facebook page for the show. So if you just go on Facebook, I Must Break This Podcast. We do have a Facebook page. Um, please feel free to like the uh, like the page and, and share the page and continue helping get the, uh, uh, the name of the show out there and, and spread the word. Um, on the page, I, of course, post links to, uh, to upcoming episodes, but I also post links to trailers and all sorts of various news that is circulating the web regarding not just, not just the career of Dolph Lundgren, but also action cinema in general. I try to uh, keep that as updated as, as regularly as possible. But yeah, go ahead and uh, take a look at that. Please check it out. Like it, share it, do all sorts of that good stuff. Uh, I would appreciate that as well. Um, now on to today's episode. <laughs> this was an absolute treat. Recently, I had the honor of speaking with actor, writer, director, stuntman, and fellow action star, Michael Wirth. Wirth has had an extremely impressive and noteworthy career over the years, from getting his start at PM Entertainment as one of their action stars, to diversifying himself as an indie writer and director who is dabbling in all sorts of genres. In this discussion, Wirth and I chat his early days at PM Entertainment, his fascination with the Bruce exploitation genre of martial arts films, and his upcoming film *Appleseed*, starring Rance Howard, Clint Howard, and Michael Worth himself. In fact, in addition to starring in it, Worth also wrote and directed the film, which is slated to make its premiere at the Dances with Film Festival in Hollywood on June 13th. We also discuss *Wanted Man*, the script he's been working with with none other than his friend, Dolph Lundgren, for over 10 years. I'm really looking forward to Wanted Man. Wanted Man is, is one project that has been rumored and discussed, like I said, for over the past 10 years. Um, and recently, they've been uh, releasing some sales art for the film. So hopefully it is actually uh, coming closer to being, uh, to being filmed here soon. So um, Worth and I get to the bottom of that and discuss that particular project. Like I said, it sounds really cool. Um, it almost sounds like it's 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 Dolph and, and Michael Worth's version of Clint Eastwood's The Gauntlet, but for a new age. So really looking forward to that. So that should be pretty cool. Anyway, yeah, so without further ado, like I said, this was an absolute treat. So here, for your listening pleasure, is my discussion with Michael Worth on I Must Break, this podcast. First of all, thank you so, so much. I do appreciate it. Oh, my friend, don't even worry about it. So good. It's uh, appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, no, and, and also thank you for the uh, kind words regarding my uh, regarding my my little podcast. I do appreciate that as well. So <laughs> no, it was great. I was because I was when I was listening to it, I was like, you know, some people they they put these podcasts together and they they sound a little 
to sound a little kind of like jumbled and all of it, which is, you know, but you guys are actually pretty, uh, you can tell you're passionate about the subject. You guys got clean voices, you know, it was, it was good. You know, I, I liked it. Well, cool. Well, hey, I, I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, no, it really is a, uh, a treat to be able to speak with you because, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this from other people, but, um, you know, I have been a lifelong fan of the action genre, um, especially the, the films of the 90s during that, that VHS, you know, yeah, glory, sure. glory period. And so, um, you know, it, it's great being able to speak with the star of, uh, of uh, Fist of Iron and uh, Street Crimes <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones, yeah. Well, that's how I got, you know, got, that's helped me get in the business for sure, you know, and all those movies. That was actually one of the questions um, that I wanted to ask you was, uh, yeah, some of your earlier films were with the production company PM Entertainment. And yeah, I was, was... Yeah, totally, man. That was my film school. That was how I, I kind of learned everything. Well, that, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you was, uh, how would you describe those experiences working for PM? Um, uh, PM, yeah, you know what? PM was great. It was sort of like my... Uh, my early film school, and 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 it was so funny because it was at that time that I'd just come into the business. I'd only been there for a little while. I'd you know done some little bits, bit parts, etc. And then um, I booked a role in a film that at the time was called The Flying Dutchman, and it was Loren- I knew Lorenzo Lamas was in. I knew Eric Lee was doing the fight choreography, and um, and so I went in and auditioned for it. And I went in and Don the Dragon Wilson was in there. He was reading for the part and. Uh, um, who else was in there? There was a few people in there. I think Vince Murdaco was in there reading for the part. So, anyways, um, got lucky, booked the job, and uh, I began this, you know, relationship with them because they 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 brought me back to do a, a few movies with them. And uh, it's just watching them work. It was basically them and Roger Corman at the time, you know, that were were kind of that that straight to video one movie a month, cranking them out for. I mean, I think Final Impact they couldn't have made spent more on a you know, a few hundred thousand dollars on it at the time. And uh, it was great because it was, it was learning how to shoot movies on the fly. I, I just I had no idea because all the movies I had done, uh, the, the roles I had done at that point were in studio films or TV shows. And you'd go in, it'd be big productions. And here I was going in and, and we would shoot these scenes in like in the uh, producer's house, you know. And then uh, when we were going to Vegas, we weren't just flying to Vegas to go film. We were actually all driving and caravanning to Vegas. I went with Lorenzo and his wife, Kathleen Kinmont, and we went in the car and we'd pull over at certain spots and film some of the movies. They're off the side of the road, you know, and, and, and you know, we'd show up in Vegas and we'd just jump out and a half hour later we were shooting scenes in front of a hotel. So it was a, a great experience in the independent film world. Well, and that's the thing that I always appreciated about PM Entertainment was you know, yeah, they were a direct-to-video production company, sure, but I always feel that their films always had such a, a, a kind of a big-budget edge and look to them. And I would argue, I don't know if you would agree, but I would argue that the stuff that they did then, in a lot of ways, I think actually looks better than a lot of the stuff, a lot of the direct-to-video stuff nowadays. I mean, that's just my opinion, but no, no, and I think you're right. I think you know it may have been tropes, or you may have seen them, you know, in, in other movies. But they did them. I mean, they were like literally blowing up buildings. You know what I mean? It was like it wasn't like CGI. They were like they'd go find an old crappy building and then they'd pay for it and blow it up. And they might use it in three different films, you know. But but that that was um, that did kind of uh, stick out. You know, they did a little. Um, I remember they were doing a little green screen work when I did um, to be the best. 
after I had gone and shot that once the movie was done, I had to do some stuff where I was like hanging out of a helicopter at the beginning of the movie. And, you know, they just dangled me from this thing. And it was kind of a fairly elaborate setup. I was actually surprised how they had it set up, but, um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think they were trying and, and Joseph, you know, Joseph Murray and Rick Pepin, they were the two, they were the PMs of the PM. Um, you know, they, they really were trying. I mean, they just weren't kind of, Tossing like, oh, okay, sounds like a good movie. Let's make it. You know, they, I, I'd sit there and watch them and and hear them, uh, you know, trying to decide what was the next project and really trying to think of what was going to be sellable, but what was also going to be good. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I, I always got the vibe that they were kind of priming you to be their their next big action star, like the big, uh, I guess, the face of of their of their company in, in a lot of ways. You know, yeah, I mean, they were. I mean, there was definitely a point there where that was what was coming my way. And it was right at that time, Gary, I think Gary Daniels and I were sort of getting off of the, a lot of the roles. I do a movie and he do a movie and I do a movie. And then, to be honest with you, I loved, and I still to this day love the action genre, but it was right around I'd done, right around I'd done Fist of Iron, I'd done To Be the Best, I'd done Street Crimes. I hadn't gone off to do U.S. Seals 2 yet. That was a little later. But I was I I remember I started to turn away stuff because I was going I, I I was already sort of pre seeing that I didn't want to be that guy that nobody hired unless he was kicking somebody. I said I want to go on and do more of these movies. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I've got a couple right now that I'm I'm trying to pull together. And I I knew down the line I would do. I mean you know films like Ghost Rock and and you know, U.S. Seals Two and a few others I did. There was a lot of fighting. But I was trying to like find ways of of doing other films that were either comedies or dramas because I was an actor who even though martial arts was my my equal love at that time I mean I was fighting all the you know I was doing kickboxing tournaments and karate tournaments I was training with Dan and Asanto and all his people I mean I just was immersed in it it was like my I just loved it you know I read about it all the time and um and I still to this day I mean I still train I wouldn't say quite as much as I used to back then but I'm still training all the time and excuse me and then um, I just didn't want to be, you know, I was watching Don, Don the Dragon and, and Cynthia, they're friends of mine, Cynthia Ross Rock. But I just kept looking going, God, they're doing like each three or four movies a year. And then they're going to the AFM and they're competing against themselves. And I just sort of, pre, you know, just kind of thought to myself, I just don't want to end up getting stuck in that. So long story short, I just backed off of taking those films for a little while. And I said, look, I know it works going to slow up. I'm going to have to kind of start from the ground up if I want to prove myself. And and then it was right around that time where I did um, Acapulco Heat, and then I started getting interested in directing, and from there I, just, I started just kind of flexing back and forth. So now, um, I mean, is it fair to say was um, – because you grew up idolizing action and martial arts films. Is that what inspired you to go in and study the martial arts? Yeah, I mean, you know, Bruce Lee was obviously a huge influence to me as, as a little kid. You know, this is, you know, it was right before. I mean, Jackie Chan was not even really known in the United States. I knew him in some of the Hong Kong films, et cetera. But, you know, it was Bruce that got me going. And I, you know, I started when I was you know, young. I started training at nine years old in Aikido. And I kind of pulled off for a little bit. But then at 12 years old, I started competing in uh, karate tournaments. And um, so, yeah, martial arts was, you know, the, the films themselves, which were. When I was a kid, they weren't so, you know, you're, you're talking about the 90s, this is like the, now the 80s, you know, so it was like they were harder to find, you had to go rent, you had, didn't have a video machine, you had to go rent one, or, you're luck, but luckily at the time too, I was catching them in the theaters, I started really young, so you know, 10, 11 years old, I was in the movie theaters watching, you know, some of these movies like 
you know, kill and kill again, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I'm trying to think, of, you know, when they'd re, they'd take any of the dragon or game of death or whatever it was that was getting re, you know, re-released and, you know, you go catch the double bills and, and all the theaters, they were just dying out at this time, but the grindhouse cinema, like at the Lux theater in Oakland, St. Francis theater in San Francisco, the market street theater and the Chinatown theaters would get the Kung Fu movies over from the, you know, from the East, and I, you know, I'd go watch them all the time. You know, the Bruce Lee ripoff movies, the Shaw Brother films, you know, the Hot, the Cool, and the Vicious, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, definitely had a huge Im- impact on me as a kid. But which is hence kind of with the film, just the filmmaking itself was of interest to me. You know, I, I mean, I, I wasn't just like, oh, I want to be that guy on the camera. I was like, I want to figure out how to make them. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, and, and you kind of touched upon it already, but you do you still practice to this day? Oh yeah, big time. I mean, it's 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 never going to leave me. I'm I'm still sparring. I'm still fighting. I'm still learning. You know, whether it's you know jujitsu work or whether it's you know uh, you know learning, trying to get my kicks better, trying to get my hands better. And you know, the truth is, I've got a couple action things coming up that I'm. It's just good to keep keep reminding myself. And I I I, I you know I mean like I said, I had a love hate relationship with being in these action films because on the one hand I wanted to do them, but on the other hand I didn't want to be the next Van Damme or the next, you know, I mean, in some cases you're like, well, geez, who'd want to turn that down? But it just wasn't my, it's quite my goal, you know? I mean, maybe yeah. that was the wrong way to take. Maybe I should have been, made a ton of money, and then I could have gone off and made my movies, you know, <laughs> the weird ones I wanted to make. But I was more coming from the point of, well, I don't know if people take me seriously if that's all I do. So, well, but it's worked out fine. I mean, I've, I'm, you know, even though I haven't done like a, a straight up fight film in a while, I, I do a lot of films that require action, whether it's, you know, Jabberwocky, which I did for the sci-fi channel where I'm doing a lot of sword fighting or, you know, some other thing. But, you know, like guys like, you know, Scott Atkins or Michael Jai White, you know, these guys are friends of mine and they're, they're you know, they're, 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 they're doing a good job with it. I feel like Michael, for instance, you know, is a really good actor. And actually Scott's a really good actor. And they're, even though they're still known for the action genre, they, I think they both had stuck their feet in enough dramatic stuff that, you know, they're, they're doing well in that, field, but you still take them seriously as an actor. So now out of curiosity, how many different martial arts disciplines do you have training and expertise in? Boy, um, I have a black belt in Tong Sudo, but my first studying was Aikido when I was, you know, nine, 10 years old. Then I got into Kung Fu. So I was studying a, um, a, a system called Wu Jen Pai, which was uh, where I started fighting in the karate tournaments. And then I started uh, Northern Shaolin under uh, Master Chang, who's passed away a couple of years ago. But it was like old school, old school Kung Fu. I mean, it was all about the internal arts and, and it was, you just were learning forms and it, there was like no fighting at this, this particular place. But I was a kid and it was like, you know, your adrenaline's going and you're like, I don't want to spar. So that's when I went into the, the karate tournaments. And then when I came down to LA, I came down here when I was 18 years old, right after high school, I just booked out to, to Los Angeles. And I went right into Dan and the Santos class because, you know, I was a big Bruce Lee fan. I wanted to study with Dan and, um, you know, Chad at the time, Chad, who directed all the um, John Wick movies. He was training there. So we trained together there at Dan and the Santos. And, um, you know, uh, Larry Hartzell was one of the trainers. I started working with Jerry Poteet, and I got a, a, my teaching certificate under Jerry Poteet, who was one of Bruce Lee's original students. Um, and studied with Gene LaBelle. That's where I started learning judo from. And, you know, I just was just immersed in it. But at the same time, I was, you know, 
breaking my my uh, well, breaking my neck, I should say, you know, doing stunt work and extra work, and then working my way up as an actor. Well, now, and one thing that I read, and uh, this is this is one of the things that I think is uh, is is pretty remarkable. Um, one thing that I read is that when you moved to Los Angeles, you and your dog lived out of your truck for six months. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a truck with um, I had bought right before I moved down here. One of those shell camper shells you could put on the back of it. I had like a carpet kit in the back, so I mean it was just a pickup truck. It wasn't like some you know thing with a kitchen in it, you know. So I would I went down there and my dog was in the back and and I just I'd shower at the gym. I'd work out at the gym. I had my house uh, my my house my 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 truck and it was kind of funny because I just did a film. Um, I we're just finishing post and we started shooting it a couple of years ago called The Butterfly Guard, and one of the characters that I wrote in, it's a, a, a drama, but it deals with guys in mixed martial arts. And one of the characters in the story was based on that because he lives in his car because he's trying to save money, which is what I was doing. And he has this line of dialogue when he, his girlfriend confronts him about it, which is sort of what was true of me, where I, where I had talked myself into going, well, you know what, I'm going, I mean, yeah, I live in my truck, but I can park my truck down by the beach and say I live by the beach. I can go drive up the mountains and park in the mountains and say I live in the mountains with a view, you know. <laughs> so I had this whole sort of viewpoint of, of living in my truck for a while. And eventually I got a little sick of it and luckily started making some money. So I got my first uh, first apartment in Venice. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to hand it to you because you always seem to hear these, these stories of people moving to Los Angeles in hopes of making it. But, you know, you can certainly attest to the fact that it's hard work, but I mean, your persistence is extremely admirable because you did, in fact, make it. I mean, you're living the dream, right? I actually say, and I'll say it now, that there is the, the one key ingredient I always say for people that want to, that have to do this business. You know, they, they, there's a saying they say, if you, if you feel like you can live without filmmaking or acting, then do it. Then live without it. You know what I mean? In other words, they're saying if you have even an out, then you don't really need to be in it. But if you just go, I, there's nothing else for me to do. I know this is it. I've got to do it. Then the one advice I always tell people is I say the biggest trait to have is tenacity. And the reason I say that is because I've seen some very talented people that just didn't want to stick with it that left, that probably could have gone on to something great. And then I see people that, you know, I mean, people may not think I'm talented, but I've seen people I don't feel are very talented in some way or another that because they stick with it, they're working all the time. Because they just do it. It's a numbers game. You know, you go out and you audition, you audition, you audition, you make movies, you make shorts, you do whatever. And, and every once in a while, you're clicking. Now, look, maybe you're not going to become Brad Pitt or Sylvester Stallone or whatever. But you're going to, if you're if you're sticking with it, maybe at the very worst, you know, you have another job you do. You, you make your money doing, you know, you're working at X, Y, or Z. But you're going, I made a movie. I made another movie. I wrote a script. I had sold the script to the Sci-Fi Channel or the Lifetime or whatever, you know. So... It's like you got one life, you know, I figure you, you might as well just ride it out and, and not look back and go, ah, oh, I wish I would have tried. Well, and I mean, speaking of trying, I mean, you, I mean, it, you've certainly become a real jack of all trades in terms of your film work, because, I mean, you have experience in acting and writing and directing and stunt work. I mean, is in, in recent years, is there a role that you prefer over all the others, or do you just enjoy dabbling in all of those various roles, um, both in front of the camera, behind the camera? You know, it goes back and forth, and I and I think that, you know, there was a point where I was actually be, becoming more interested in being behind the camera than in front, just because it was so new to me, and I was, like, learning and studying, and I just got so immersed in it. 
but um, I've come to this place where I'm very happy fluctuating back and forth. Um, I just did a film called Appleseed, which is actually going to be um, opening the Dances with Films Film Festival on uh, June 13th here in Hollywood. So we're going to be the opening night film. And it was one where um, it's the last film that Ron Howard's father, Rance Howard, uh, was the star of. It's actually the only time he was the star of a movie, and, and he passed away a month after we wrapped. But I, I acted in it, and I directed it. And sometimes there's this quality that you have to assume trying to do both, which gets a little difficult at times. So this this next project, one of the next projects I'm doing, I'm just going to direct. I'm not going to act in front of it just because I, I want to focus on that. So I go back and forth. I mean, I'm happy when somebody comes along and says, hey, we do this movie with us, and it's like kind of a nice release because I'm just – focus on the uh, emotional work that comes with being an actor, not to sit here and worry about, you know, where the camera's going to go or what the background looks like and that kind of thing. Well, and the other thing that, that, you know, I wanted to ask you about is, I mean, you know, you're obviously extremely busy, you know, with all these various projects, but um, from what I've seen and what I've read, you know, one of the things that I have so much respect for is that in a lot of ways you're you're still a, a huge fan at heart. And one thing that, uh, that, that I read up on is that uh, you're an avid collector of martial arts cinema, particularly the Bruce exploitation subgenre of kung fu films. Um, so, so much so that you're, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a book that is uh, currently um, going to be out on the subject, as well as a documentary and even a podcast. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> as a kid, back to that Bruce Lee thing, when I was, you know, getting into the martial arts films, you know, I was really, like I said, I'm just a, like most people are, we're big fans of Bruce Lee. So I remember at that time I had purchased, uh, I bought this guy's collection, Bruce Lee collection, because I was like, oh, I got some Bruce Lee posters, et cetera. I remember I spent like $40, which was like a, a huge amount of money for me at the time. And then half of the collection was all these Bruce exploitation movies, like uh, there were posters and lobby cards and all this kind of thing. And those were the, those kind of movies were still in the theaters. So you'd go, oh, hey, look, this movie, Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, is playing down the street. That's a Bruce Lee movie. But, it, of course, it wasn't. It was Bruce Lee. And so as a result of it, just sort of by that accident, I became an accidental fan of these movies. And then a number of years ago, I was in my garage, and I went, oh, I got these boxes of these posters, and they're these old Hong Kong posters of, you know, Bruce Lee's Deadly Kung Fu or, uh, you know, Dragon Lee versus the Five Brothers. And I and – I, and I've, I've always had, you know, I grew up watching these movies, you know, as bad as some of them were and as good as some of them were. They were just part of my, my childhood. And so I called this, I thought, well, you know what? I was my, my entrepreneur brain. I called this publishing house up and I said, hey, look, would you guys be interested in doing a book? I can give you these posters. I got these great artwork and all this stuff. And they said, well, would you be interested in writing a book on the subject? And I was kind of like, well, I don't know what am I going to write about these movies? I'm not, you know, I was, I, I kind of, sort of said, nah, I don't know if there's, I thought about it for a little while. I was going, well, it's kind of interesting the way I, I started thinking about it and approaching it. I go, there was a reason as a kid I was really into them. And, and then I started taking all these different angles as my, my filmmaker brain was looking at them. And I went, you know what, I'll do it. I got a great idea. And I just, I started in between projects, just working on the book. It got huge. I mean, it took, it's literally taken me six years. I mean, I could have doing it between all these projects, but it's a huge undertaking. And then I went to, um, Hong Kong and Taiwan and Korea uh, two years ago, well, started two years ago, went last year as well to meet with, you know, Dragon Lee, Bruce Lai, Lee So Nam, um, Philip Koh, who passed away, Bruce Lang, 
uh, all the Godfrey Ho, the, all the directors, Curata, who's you know, been in a number of, of these films. And with I was there with the documentary film crew because we were putting together a documentary on the Hong Kong film scene. And then I was using all these quotes that I was getting from these guys and applying it to the book. And it just, it, suddenly from that, all of a sudden, everybody was calling me up to do this commentary on that or this on this or add to this. So it sort of became this Bruce Bloitation guy that, that you know, by, by accident. So it was a long-winded answer to your, your question, but that's sort of how I, I, I got into it. <laughs> Any ideas on when we uh, will be able to see the book in the documentary, or are they still yeah, the in the bo- post-production phase? Well, the, the I'm not editing the documentary. It's not mine. It's actually a, a production company here in L.A. that's putting it together. So I'm just kind of sort of consulting with them, and it was helping them find all the interviewees and you know, I went back a number of times to, to just train with Bruce Lai. I just wanted to go back and work with him because the first time I went and met him, we were just kind of interviewing him and shooting him for the for the thing. But I was like, yeah, I want to study with this guy. He teaches still. You know, he teaches people in a park in Taiwan. You know, he's just, it's great. He's like the old Shaolin monk now. Um, and so um, these uh, the, they're, they're doing the documentary. I think they're aiming for the end of this year. My, the book is done. It's just I've been kind of copy editing it the last year, and I, but I'm assuming I think it's going to be out by this end of this year as well. So probably by the end of 2019, they, they both should be out. And just just to mention, the documentary is coming out, but we've also <clears throat> we've also managed over the last couple of years, which is a whole other subject, but it's great, to track down film prints a number of these films that have never been released on Blu-ray and in some cases never on DVD. In fact, we got a couple of them from uh, Tarantino. We went over there to he's got because he, he owns so many of these films. We got a few of his films and and scanned them into the 2K um, uh, scans for uh, Blu-ray release. So we're going to do a number of these films in special editions coming out at the end of the year. And it should be a lot of fun for people that are into those kind of old school kung fu movies or the you know the Bruce Lee exploitation type films. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good year, I think. Well, and you already kind of touched upon it, but yeah, you also have a film that is currently uh, making the rounds of film festivals called Appleseed. And I looked I looked this one up. This one sounds uh, extremely interesting. Now you are starring in it, uh, you directed it, and you also wrote it as well. Is that right? Yeah, and and I wrote it actually over 10 years ago originally, I was doing a movie called uh, Devil on the Mountain, which I had written as well. It was, or I think it became retitled Sasquatch Mountain. It was for the Sci-Fi Channel. My friend uh, Steve Monroe was directing it. But while I was, I was on the set, I was working with Rance, uh, Rance Howard, and I remember there going, this is a guy, kind of going back to what you and I were talking about, who has been so tenacious in this career. His whole career has been like cameos, and you know, even in his son's movies, you know, you see him pop up, he says a few lines, and then he's gone. You know, he's but he's always wanted to be that leading man actor. And I said, you know what? I'm going to write a script for him. And I said, I might as well put myself, I'll put myself in it because I love working with him. And I said, we'll do it really cheap, you know. And for 10 years, I ran, I ran around trying to get the script made. And I've never had a screenplay get almost more traction and then fall at the last second than that one. I mean, where people were like writing me, you know, $20,000 checks at a, at a, a lunch meeting to, to, to purchase the script and then having it just fall through. So um, in 2017, so just now two years ago, right at the very end of 2017, I handed the script to Rance's wife had just passed away a few months before. And something, I just directed him in a movie called Broken Memories. And something had just triggered in me that, it, he, you know, he was just, I just, he was so in love with his wife. 
and maybe, you know, maybe it was just coincidence, but I said, I don't know if he's going to stick around much longer. He just kind of had that sense about him. And I, I gave this production, the script to the, the producer. I said, what do you think about this? We do want to do this and can we do it right away? And they, they read it. Three days later, they called me back and they said, we'll give you X amount of dollars to do it. And it was enough to get it done. And we literally went up in front of the camera like within two months. I mean, I just went out. I, I'd already knew some of the locations I wanted. I scouted it, put through a crew together, together and, and, um, and we shot it. And we shot it in Arizona and Vermont, produced it with uh, Jennifer Camstock, with uh, Jody Barlev, my friend Dustin Reichert, um, brought in Robbie Benson, Adrian Barbeau, uh, Clint Howard. I actually had written one of the characters in the story is uh, play is Rance's uh, character. Rance plays his son in the story, and I actually, funny enough, I was thinking of Dolph Lundgren at one part at one point for that part. And um, then I talked to Rance. I said, "Would Clint want to play your son?" And it was funny because he went, "You know what? In all the years we've done, we've done about ten movies together. He's never played my son." I was like, "Oh, we got to do it." And so brought Clint out and had this incredible one day where I shot all of their scenes and I walked away from that day going, that was my best day directing. I felt of anything. And it was just so appropriate to me that their last work together on camera was as father and son, you know, and it was really a, really a touching kind of a, of a moment, but I'm really proud of the movie. And I'm, and like I said, it comes out June 13th at the, here playing at the, at the dancing with film film festival in Hollywood. So anybody in getting this in, in the area come out, um, but it should be uh, in release and probably open a couple of months. Well, everything that I've read about the film and everything that I've seen about the film online, um, yeah, it, it, it really sounds like a, a, a great character piece that you should be very proud of. So oh, I'm definitely you. looking thank forward you. to that. Well, I'll make sure if you don't get out to see it, I'll make sure you get a chance to see it. So I'll send you a copy or something. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would be I would be completely remiss if I did not ask you. Um, but you and Dolph Lundgren have been working on a project for wait wait wait, wait. Dolph uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been working on uh, the project Wanted Man for like almost ten years. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, it's so funny because I I tell you know when I talk to people and we talk about how hard projects are to get off the ground, I, I always go look. I'm working with Dolph Lundgren. You know, we've been trying to do this since like 2006. It's more like, you know, 13 years at this point. And um, I, uh, I say, even us, you know, we, you know, we were going back and forth a lot with the script, but it's like, we've still been like pitching it around all these years. And then he gets caught up and goes off and, and does something or what have you. But, and then we put it aside for a year or two and then come back to it. But uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long, long uh, haul with him. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dolph's. You know, I, I, as a kid, I saw Rocky Four in the theaters, and my brother and I went home, and we worked out for like three hours straight, and we were both so freaking <laughs> sore the next day, but uh, just because I was so pumped up from that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got a chance to actually met him through Stephen Monroe. Stephen Monroe is a, a director. You look him up. He's done like 10,000 movies. Um, and uh, brought me in to at that time, write a project that I think he and Dolph were going to do. Dolph was going to act and he was going to direct. And it was going to be a Western. And then somewhere along the lines, um, we shifted and Dolph came to me with this idea. He wanted to do kind of like, a, that was sort of like the gauntlet, like uh, the Corn Eastwood movie, the gauntlet. And uh, we shifted into mode and started, I started writing that with him. 
and um, that's where it's been ever since. It's gone through some big, big changes in that time, but uh, yeah, that's the that was the project. Wanted man. Now, are you just taking on writing duties, or are you going to have a role in the film as well? Um, it's funny. All these years, I have specifically just been writing it, and just about. A month ago, when I was sitting with him and we were talking about the roles, he was one of the parts in it, which is funny because I actually wrote it for myself <laughs> and I never said it to him. And he was going, hey, man, you'd be good playing that part. And I was kind of like going, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to hear you say. So we'll see. I mean, I may end up doing it. It's a, it's a supporting role, but it's actually a really good one. Um, you know, since most of this film deals mainly with um, Dolph and one other character kind of trying to get their way back to the United States from Mexico. Uh, but, um, I, yeah, I hope to be working. And if I'm not doing something, I've got another project that may, may sort of make it difficult, but if not, then, um, you know, I'll be on set at least some of the time, uh, working just in case they need, uh, changes or what have you. Well, it's funny that you said that, uh, it's similar to Clint Eastwood's The Gauntlet, uh, because that makes perfect sense because, you know, Lundgren, he's a big Eastwood guy. He's a big oh, fan huge. of Eastwood. Yeah. Huge. Actually, I think a lot of people would be surprised how knowledgeable he is with film. You know, even I, I'm always surprised because I'm a, I'm a big cinephile. You know, I love all films. My 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 movie collection is actually disgustingly, embarrassingly large. You know, I mean, it's just like I mean everything. I mean, yeah, one corner it might be the kung fu movies, but like you know, eighty nine percent of it's it's just films from all over the world. And he's he's like that too. You know, we were just just the other day we were we were talking. All of a sudden, he starts pulling out. Yeah, I went to this. You know, Ingmar Bergman, um, you know, retrospective and went and saw about eight of his movies. And, you know, obviously being Swedish, he's probably especially into Ingmar. But, you know, we will talk about films all the time relating to what we're working on the script. And he, uh, you know, it's just he'll, he'll bring it out. You know, this Eastwood film or this Bronson film or this or that, you know. And so it's great because we connect right away. Because every movie he's into, I'm, I'm like, I'm very familiar with. So, Well, and but, regarding yeah. regarding Wanted Man, I mean... I noticed online it seems like some sales art was recently revealed. So it does seem like the project is closer to to filming than it was five years ago. Well, I can say that though there's nothing officially green lit, we're at a point where we're going to say, here we go. I can tell you that in the last, literally just the last three weeks, the, the, the change went from, you know, from one side of the hill to the other. And uh, there's a really good chance we may be shooting this in the next couple of months. So, um, yeah, it was they, 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 they took it to Cannes, and uh, they did really good with their sales. And so now we're just um, – I'm actually, as I'm believe it or not, all day today I've been working on a, a draft of the script to, to send off to Dolph in the morning. So I'm literally just talking to you and then going back to working on Wanted Man because um, – like I said, the script has gone through a number of changes, but the, the, the company that is interested in the film right now, or the script, they, uh, we just had to, to adjust some notes in it and, and are giving it back to them or I'm, you know, doing the adjustments and then we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes, but it's, it's looking good though. It's looking really good. They're very excited about it. I mean, they love the idea and, you know, Dolph, they, they've worked with Dolph before. And, um, so we're, uh, we're close. We're getting real close, you know? Well, and this is to, to anyone who is, you know, really not familiar with how the Hollywood machine works. I mean, you can certainly attest to the fact that, you know, you can have a great idea, but it's you're going to have to go through a lot of red tape and a lot of rewrites to, to finally see it to, to come to life. And I guess um, Wanted Man is is a pure example of that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it can happen. I mean, I've had films that I, I would I literally wrote, and then we were shooting the next month, you know. But uh, it's it's interesting that both Appleseed and Wanted Man were scripts that I had written right around the same time. I started working on like right around 2005, 2007, and they both kind of looks like they'll both be being made, you know, with, roughly within a couple of years of each other. So that's that's kind of kind of interesting. But you're right; it's it's it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. This this business is just constantly churning. Yeah, just it's it's a numbers game, you know. You, like Dolph and I knew, we're gonna, you know, you're gonna bang on enough doors. You got no, 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 and there's finally gonna be a yes. And it's just you got to have the tenacity to stick with it. And he and I, you know, been trying for years to, to go to. So we we had the script at one point, to be honest with you, and, and he came up with this idea, which I thought was great, which was that the character it's, there's a character of him and a, a female in the story. Well, we for years had that female become a transgendered character. We thought, would well, it be interesting to have me paired up with this trans? And, and it was great. He came up with the idea, and uh, I loved it. I thought it was great, but just I think it just was hitting a lot of people that were nervous about it. You know, I mean, but I'm sure there was somebody out there that thought, hey, man, I want to do the next, uh, you know, Moonlight or next, you know, something that was going to be risky like that with Dolph. We just never found them. But uh, but it, which is fine because both versions of the script were very happy with it. Was just we were trying to tinker with it and come up with some other original uh, angles for it. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that angle because um, yeah, about a year ago I spoke with another uh, uh, personal friend of uh, Mr. Lundgren, uh, James Chuck, and he had touched upon the the whole transgender angle uh, being a possibility within the film as well. Right. Yeah, James. Uh, he's uh, he. Um, he was around a lot of times when we, when, when Dolph and I were having our script meetings. So, uh, um, but yeah, he was there. He saw that those, those were the conversations we were having and trying to take it. So, I mean, there's, there's at the, by the time we shoot this movie, there's probably going to be about three or four drafts of this script that are so different. You could almost make four different movies, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, like I said, that, 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 that is awesome. And I mean, the fact that you are still a fan at heart, I mean, that has to be, just a, a pretty surreal experience for you. The fact that, you know, you grew up idolizing, you know, guys of the genre, especially someone like Dolph Lundgren. And now you're working alongside him, writing a script. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in envy of you, sir. So. Oh, no, but let me tell you something. I always will feel that way. I mean, even every time I sit down with him, I'm always kind of going, you know, I can't believe it. I'm a Drago, man. You know, it's great. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll get up and I'll start imitating him from a freaking movie or something. And I, I put a couple of his lines and you know, I slip them in. Sometimes I'll hand him a draft and all of a sudden get him to say, I must break you somehow in the draft. <laughs> you know, he'll go, what is this? And I go, come on, you got to say it. Um, but, I, you know, for me, you have to be a fan because one thing I will not be, and I see these guys all the time, they're, 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 whether they're actors or directors, I see them sitting in their jobs and I look at them like there's this sort of entitled feel to them or it's almost like they're just like, oh, I can't believe I'm here again. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Make room for somebody that just loves making movies. You know, I, I, I am. Every day I go to work with Dolph, I'm like, Dolph, I'm going, man, I, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't wait to make a movie. This is, I mean, it's like, this is, and he's like, I know, man, I know, I just, it's going to be a cool movie. You know, it's just like I'm going, this is going to be with Dolph. It's going to be great. I'm going, I want you to punch me in the movie. I want to do something, you know. Um, but but I think, you know, and even Dolph's that way. Let me tell you something, and I will say this. One thing I'm really impressed with him that I rarely see is that he really cares. I mean, he's not going, how's the script? Oh, let me see. That looks pretty good. Let's, let's try and get it made. He, he, we sit there and we read through it every scene. We tried 
different drafts. We'll throw the dialogue back and forth with each other. We'll sit there and discuss it. He'll stop. He'll think. He'll go, what if we try this? And what if we try that? And wait a minute, have I seen this before? And I'll say, well, what about this? And he'll go, what else do you have? And, and, he's, and, and so we'll, we'll sit here and we'll really hash it out. And he, I mean, he doesn't get tired of it, which is great. Like, you know, we just did last week. We were three days in a row. We were together for four or five hours each time, just going over the same script, going to the first 30 pages, the next 30 pages, the next 30 pages. So he's not, you know, there are times where he'll go do a movie that's not his. Somebody calls up and says, hey, we're going to pay you X, Y, and Z. He reads the script. He's like, yeah, this is pretty good. But he just knows he's going to have to go on and, and be at the mercy of, of the filmmakers. But because he and I, you know, birthed this baby from the start, you know, this he's taking a lot more interest. And he's very excited to do this. You know, he wants to do it right. And part of the, the reason is, is we are trying to give him a character we haven't seen from him in a while. It's, definitely more comedic it's definitely more uh broken you know i mean you looked at him like you know like how he was in creed 2 where you kind of got ivan drago who is this superhuman character been reduced to what he is in in that film it's it's sort of along those lines it's taking some of his kind of his characters and, and putting them into a vein like that and finding other ways of expressing it from that broken point of view you know he's not the the superman in this this a movie when he steps onto the camera and try and and try and save the day and you know can break your neck in two seconds, you know he's a struggling character. So I think it's going to be fun because there's a lot of action in it. There's a lot of fights and a lot of shootouts, but it's it's done in a, a different way. And and so I guess I was just going to try and summarize this by saying Dolph takes takes the time and the patience and the forethought to make this stuff work. And uh, I really appreciate that about it. I even told him, I said, I, I was, when I started working with him, I said, I wasn't expecting that. I thought he was going to like, yeah, give me one, let me see. Do I fight a guy here? Do I kick? Okay, let's, this is great. Let's get it made. But that's, it's not how it is. Well, when you do speak with him, if you wouldn't mind um, passing along my uh, just immense gratitude and the fact that I have been a fan since I was uh, a little kid, um, obviously so much so that, I started up this project, but, um, but yeah, no, please, please let him know that um, I love his work. I'll continue loving his work and uh, I continue looking forward to seeing everything that uh, both you and him put together, either collaboratively or individually or, or what have you. Wow. I, I appreciate that. And I will definitely pass that on to him and I'll tell you, you're, you're, it's a, you picked a good subject because you, you know, you can come to this business and wonder how people are behind the scenes, but I can, I can attest to the fact he's a good guy. And, you know, he's, he's a, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's, I was glad to see with the Creed and Aquaman thing last year that just, you know, really helped put him back on the map again. So it'll be fun to work with him. Well, before I let you go, um, th there were, there were two individuals that you worked with that I was hoping you might be able to, uh, give me a little bit of, uh, <laughs> a little anecdote on. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah. but in your PM entertainment days, um, you worked with the late, great Dennis Farina in Street yeah. Times. Yeah. And then in Fists of Iron, well, I guess I could say that both you and Dolph Lundgren have had the uh, privilege to square off against Matthias Hughes. And so I was just curious, <laughs> both of those experiences, Dennis Farina, Matthias Hughes, um, I, know they're, uh, I know both individuals could not be more different, but uh, what were those experiences like? All right, with Dennis, I'll give you a good story with Dennis. We were shooting Street Cars, the second film I did with PM, and they said to me, hey, we got, we got Dennis Farina. He's going to come out. And I can't remember what they – I remember somebody telling me what they paid him. I think they paid him like 50 grand or 100 grand or something. They gave him a good, nice little check on that movie. And what they did was they said to him, and remember this, they were shooting this movie in 11 days, 
they told him that they were going to need him for 10 days, but the movie was, <laughs> I think they said 30 days. They didn't want him to know that it was 11-day shoot and he was there for 10. He wanted to think he was just on there for 10 days. So he came out, and Dennis was the best. I love this guy, man. I mean, he was so great. Uh, but what was really funny is while we were shooting, we're about four or five days into it because, you know, PM said, don't, you know, don't know what the schedule. I was like, okay, no problem. We were shooting. He was, we were sitting on one of the locations, and we're sitting there eating, and he's like, you know, he goes, these are the kind of movies, you know, they're the best. You know, it's like you come out there, it's like these small crews, you shoot them in 10 days. It's it's awesome. And, and he's like, he was totally up on it. He got that they were doing this movie in 10, you know, 11 days. And then, you know, that that they weren't really shooting it in 30 days. And I thought that was so funny. And then I would say maybe eight months later, he was doing The Tonight Show. And I happened to be in NBC at an audition when he was doing it. And I knew, so I knew he was there. And I remember it was the last time I saw him before he passed away. Uh, I went over to his door and I started pounding on the door. I was like, Mr. Free, we need you on the set. They're shooting right now. They're shooting right now. And he's like, opened the door and he's like, what is it? What is it? And he freaked out. He was like, Michael. And we sat there and we hung out for about an hour. And, you know, while he was waiting and, and I had a great time with him. And, um, you know, and then he passed away a couple of years later. But great guy. Really great guy. I had a lot of fun with him. And uh, just a really, really nice uh, person. And then Matthias. Matthias is funny because I'd seen Matthias, you know, in Dolph's movie, and I'd seen him in a couple other movies, and he struck me as that guy. I thought, this guy's going to be the biggest jerk. I can just see him now. He's going to be this, you know, egomaniac bodybuilder. And I remember they were saying, yeah, he's going to be the bad guy. And I was like, oh, God, I just kind of, I don't know why. I just had this impression. He shows up, and he was the funniest nicest, most hilarious person I could ever, you know, I ever met. And he, like, we'd be out doing a fight scene and I go, I go, okay, well, here we go. I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to hit you. Oh, wait, watch, watch right here. He goes, I had a shot there yesterday. I just got a shot. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm like going, and then I'll throw this punch. And he goes, oh, wait, see that hair thing. This part, this hair part isn't real. This is like an extension. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going, I go, Matias, you're like, I wouldn't want me to touch you anywhere. And he's like, oh, wait, be careful. And then he would, Every time he thought he hurt me, he'd go, are you okay? You know, he was just so sweet and so nice and so fun to work with. But, of course, he always gets, you know, plays that robotic character. But nicest guy, man. He's, he's really, really sweet. I guess he's got a book out now or it's coming out, Shirtless in Hollywood or something, which I'd love to read. Two great guys. He picked two great guys um, and had a, a good experience with both. Well, hey, Mr. Worth, I want to be respectful of your time, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to sit down and speak with me. And, yeah, 2019, 2020, these are going to be some big years for you. So best of luck to you on uh, with Appleseed and also with Wanted Man. I, I'll, you know, obviously, I've been following the, uh, the, the rumor mill on that one, but um, I look forward to seeing that one uh, finally get rolling before cameras. Uh, baby, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll know sooner than later, my friend. Cool. Well, hey, you have a great night, and uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. All right, Sean. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye.